What is integrity, and what does it have to do with recovery? Welcome to episode 314 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Ingrid, Judy, Gina, Melissa, and Valerie. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Ingrid, Judy, Gina, Melissa, and Valerie, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I am your host today. I am joined today by my dog, who you may be able to hear chewing on his nylabone in the background. I'm going to start with a reading. This is from our daily reader, Courage to Change, December 10th. Many of us come to Al-Anon confused. We are so focused on our alcoholic loved ones that we may not be able to see where they leave off and we begin. We've lost our sense of what is appropriate. How can we distinguish between acceptable and unacceptable behavior when we don't even know what we want or need? My fourth step inventory helped me to discover who I am, what my values are, the behavior I'd like to keep, the things I'd like to change. With this in mind, I'm working to establish new behavior that reflects my integrity and expresses my true values. Where in the past I have allowed unacceptable behavior, I now can choose a different response. I must consistently do what I say I'm going to do. Today, I have the courage and faith to be true to myself, whether or not others like or agree with me. I must remember that announcing my new ways to others is not nearly as important as knowing what my own limits are and acting accordingly. The reminder from the reading, I will remember that knowing my boundaries does not mean forcing others to change. It means that I know my own limits and can take care of myself by respecting them. The focus today is on me. And quote from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, He that respects himself is safe from others. He wears a coat of mail that none can pierce. I like this reading because it, in there, uh, the words speak of several of the ways in which I understand what personal integrity means. Expressing my true values, the behavior I'd like to keep, consistently do what I say I'm going to do, be true to myself. Those are all aspects of integrity to me. I must have been influenced by Eric. I went and looked up integrity on the on the internet. It said define integrity. and came up with uh, a couple of definitions, neither of which expresses, I think, the way I'm understanding integrity in my life today, but they're close. One is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles or moral uprightness. And the second definition, the state of being whole and undivided. So if I look at those definitions, honest is certainly part of integrity. To me, there's self-honesty. Without that, I I am not acting with integrity. Um, I'm not so sure that I agree with strong moral principles, but I guess in the sense of principles of of doing what I say I'm going to do, uh, being true to myself, those are moral principles. And if I hold those strongly, I guess that that agrees with that definition. I like the state of being whole and undivided. And although the example 
for the definition has to do with like territorial integrity or something. Before I came into recovery, I would say I was not whole and undivided because of not having clear boundaries between what was mine and what was not mine. I fragmented myself into, you know, the parts that were me that, that were acting in accordance with, with what I wanted, with what I needed. And the parts that were really somebody else where I was trying to live in a way that I thought somebody else wanted me to live, or I was trying to live in such a way that I would affect how somebody else was living. So I was not whole and undivided because my attention at least was divided between several different people, really. So the definitions sort of apply. Um, and I will take and interpret them in a way that fits to me. Mm-hmm. I found this quote in a Psychology Today article about examples of acting with integrity, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes at therecovery.show slash 314. This quote says, The root of integrity is about doing the right thing, even when it's not acknowledged by others or convenient for you. So there's another aspect of it is like doing doing the right thing, which of course assumes that we know what the right thing is. And I guess I could put some subtext in there and it means you know doing the right thing according to my moral values, according to my understanding of how I best act in the world, how I am to act in the world, even when it's not acknowledged or convenient. Paying back uh, a debt that seems to have been forgotten might be an example there. I borrowed some money from somebody years ago, and they haven't bugged me about it, and I could just let it slide, but that's not living with integrity. It's not convenient for me to pay it back necessarily, but I, I need to to be right with myself, you know? And Wikipedia, also the link in the show notes at therecovery.show slash 314, Wikipedia says, in ethics, integrity is regarded as the honesty and truthfulness or accuracy of one's actions. So that also lines up with with the other definitions. And finally, referring to myself, in episode 101, which was titled Looking Back, Looking Ahead, I spent some time talking about my values and how my actions align with my values one of my values that I identified in that episode was integrity. And I said that for me, having integrity means that I act in all things according to my true self. I state my beliefs honestly and openly. So recently I was thinking about integrity and I was thinking about, you know, how in the past I was not necessarily living with integrity. And then I thought about how practicing the 12 steps of recovery have brought me closer to the ideal of living with integrity in all my affairs. So I'll start by looking at maybe some of the ways in which I have not practiced integrity in the past. Big one that really, until I heard somebody else say it, didn't occur to me as being not in, in not integral. I don't, you know, <laughs> Not congruent with integrity, that would be another word for him, but I can't think of it, is denial. And the opposite of that is acceptance. That, you know, if I accept things the way they are, 
if I accept myself the way I am, it's a lot easier to be true to myself. It's a lot easier to be true to the world. And when I'm in denial and when I'm acting in denial, I'm clearly not being true to what is. I'm not being true to, um, you know, the things that, that I might need to do to, uh, to be more effective, to be more serene, certainly, to be more truthful, to be more honest. You know, sometimes denial is more comfortable when I could say, oh, my loved one is not drinking again. She's just not getting enough sleep, and that's why she comes home from work and takes a nap before dinner. It's not because she comes home early so she can drink, and then she takes a nap because she drank. That's not what's happening. It's definitely more comfortable for me to, you know, to live in that lie, which it was. Uh, and it was a lie I was telling myself, and of course it was a lie that, you know, she was trying to uh, to propagate as well. I could be in denial about something that I need to do. I can be in, in denial about a way that I'm acting that is actually hurting somebody else. In all of those cases, I'm really not living with integrity. I can pretend to be someone that I'm not. I can pretend to believe something that I don't. I can pretend to not have an opinion that I do have. I've done all of these things because I want to fit in. I want you to like me. I want to please you. These are all these are all character traits that when dialed up, as we say, dialed up to 11, are character defects. And that cause me to live life that is a lie. It caused me to not be true to myself. And even though I might, in a moment, feel less uncomfortable if I hide an opinion that disagrees with what somebody else says, and I know Eric and I talked about this just last week when we were talking about Concept 5 and Minority Opinions, I might feel more comfortable not stating something that I believe that the person I'm conversing with doesn't or disagrees with, in the short term, but in the long term, I'm not more comfortable because I'm having to hide this part of myself. I'm having to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. And that's, that's just not comfortable in the long term, even though it might be convenient in the short term. Another way in which um, I have acted not with integrity is volunteering to do something that maybe I didn't really want to do it, or I was pretty sure I didn't have time to do it, but you know, you wanted me to do it, so I was going to say yes. Um, and again, I've, I've talked about some examples of this in the past where I volunteered to do something that I was really overcommitted, and in consequence, I didn't do a good job of it, or in some cases, maybe didn't even end up doing it at all. And hurt somebody else through that inaction or lack of follow-through, lack of completion. And if I had not said, yes, I'll do it, then they probably would have found somebody else or some other way that would have turned out, you know, in a more pleasing way for them. Certainly for me, if I volunteer to do something that I don't want to do, I'm not being true to myself. And I'm, you know, possibly going to resent 
doing it, and that's going to affect my ability to perform and so on, and then doing a bad job at it. How did recovery help me to live with more integrity? How did it help me find a way to be a person that I like myself? Well, taking these sort of point by point, breaking denial, especially about alcoholism, you know, brought me brought me into a place where I was being more true. I was living more honestly. Um, I was able to see more clearly the things that, that I could do or the things that I wanted to do but I couldn't do. And it enabled me to just be, you know, more honest about about who I was and what I what I was doing, how I was acting. Learning how to practice acceptance, acceptance with grace, reduced the number of times that I was really lying to myself, that I was pretending to be able to accomplish something that was not mine. Learning in the program about acceptance, about the fact that acceptance doesn't mean that I have to like something, that when I accept the way things are, then I'm more able to take actions that maybe reduce their impact on me, that enable me to live more clearly and um, more serenely. Um, Serenity is a big thing for me here, right? Because I sure as heck did not have it when I came here. So acceptance is, is a part of being honest. It's a part of being honest with the world and with myself. And when I, again, deny because I'm not accepting, uh, I'm I'm living in a lie, and that's less less comfortable for me, and probably, honestly, less comfortable for people around me. Big a big thing for me in, you know, coming to understand who I am, so that I can actually live honestly um, and in alignment with who I am, is the step four inventory, the searching and fearless moral inventory, which brought me greater clarity about about who I am, about how I act, about what I believe, and about the things that are keeping me from living a life with integrity, a life of honesty. And that, that was reflected in the reading I opened with, which said, my fourth step inventory helped me discover who I am, what my values are, the behavior I'd like to keep, and the things I'd like to change. So when we get to the things I'd like to change so that I can be more self-honest, I can be have more integrity. I have found a power greater than myself, a higher power, that I can ask for help in changing these things. And so those two steps together, and also the following steps of making amends for the, the things that I have done wrong, the things that I did without integrity, where I hurt, I wronged somebody, I hurt somebody. All of those together, that that core of the program, Steps 4 through 9, helped me to get myself to a footing of being true to myself because I knew who I was being true to. I knew what I was being true to. And I knew what what were the, the things that, the behaviors that and, and opinions and thoughts that I had that were not in alignment with that. And being able to change them and being able to you know, clean up where I had 
had harmed people in the past. And then step 10 basically says, keep on living that way. And step 11 keeps me in contact with that power greater than myself that can guide me in living that way. And step 12 says, I'm going to keep on doing it. Another big thing, and this gets partly to the volunteering and partly to the being whole that I talked about at the beginning, learning about boundaries, learning about boundaries, that boundary between me and the rest of the world. Where do I stop and other people begin so that I can focus my efforts on living in alignment with the stuff that's inside my boundary rather than trying to align with the multiple things and the multiple different ideas and ways of living that are outside my boundary. So that boundary, learning that boundary, learning about my hula hoop, as we sometimes call it, was a really big part of this for me. As I said before, as I've said many times before I came into the program, I really did not have a boundary between what's mine and what's yours because I was trying to take care of you too as well as taking care of me. And usually that didn't work very well. And the other kind of boundary is, is the one about, you know, what I will do or accept setting a boundary on how many things I volunteer for. As I said, I may displease somebody by saying no to a request, but they're a lot less displeased than if I said yes and then didn't do it. And being able to set that boundary and knowing where to set that boundary is, you know, that's an ongoing work. And and particularly the knowing where, knowing what my capacity is, because I will, I will say yes to things until I realize, oh, wait, I'm above capacity. And that happens less often now, and it happens less severely, but it still happens because I still want to please you. I still want to do, do things that, that, you know, you will like me because I did them. And, uh, it, like I said, it's a continuing work, and it's it's one of one of the things that keeps me coming back is is I know I'm not done. I know that I don't have everything worked out perfectly. I don't understand everything, and I and I'm I'm not perfect at setting boundaries for for sure. So I wanted to close with another reading. This is from our book How Alanon Works, Chapter Sixteen: The Twelve Traditions, and this is part of the text on Tradition Twelve. The spiritual principles underlying the Twelfth Tradition can be applied to any aspect of our lives and are not limited to what we do at our meetings. Anonymity teaches us humility. We are encouraged to act according to our own conscience rather than seeking the praise or attention of others. We do what we feel is right because it gives us a sense of satisfaction and self-esteem, not in order to gain applause. In fact, anonymous gestures can mark some of our greatest and most worthy accomplishments. Even though done anonymously, these actions strengthen a positive self-image and identity. Our recovery from the effects of alcoholism allows us to become more fully the men and women we are capable of being. As we grow, we learn to choose behavior that we can feel good about. When we commit ourselves to the spirit of anonymity and to placing principles above personalities, we choose a path of personal integrity. We become people who keep confidences, refuse to gossip, and respect the privacy of all we encounter. We are living for a higher purpose, doing our best to follow the will of a power greater than ourselves.
In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery this week? This was a quiet week for me. I had a meeting yesterday, my Saturday morning meeting. The topic was step one. For some reason, I heard the words in the first paragraph. I mean, I did read the first paragraph as we were reading the step uh, from the book Paths to Recovery. Step one, where it says... Says many of us would not have voluntarily walked through the doors of Al-Anon if we were not in some kind of crisis or pain that forced us to seek help. And that was me. Um, I identified with that, and just hearing that sort of took me back a little bit. And then there was a person at the table who was at their first meeting, although they hadn't identified themselves as such, I guess, before we started. So it was quite fortuitous that we were already talking about step one, because that is the tradition in that meeting, to talk about step one when there's a newcomer. I I shared about how I felt and what brought me into the room, into the rooms, and finding myself not alone. And that was such a huge gift of my first Al-Anon meeting, was knowing that I was no longer alone in the struggle. And you know, I'm still here. Um, I I don't know that there's any active alcoholism or addiction in my life. Um, it appears that my children have dodged that bullet, although it can show up later, as I have seen. The principles that I learned, the tools that I learned to deal with, to live with alcoholism, are very helpful in dealing with other illnesses, um, in particular that my aging parents and their diminishing capacity, um, you know, talk about integrity and denial. Um, I'm able to accept what it is and work within that rather than denying it and, and wishing that it were different. I think that's what I've got today. I did get shares from Alina, who is continuing to listen through the back catalog of episodes, and she shares on compassion from episode 33, one day at a time, episode 34, step eight, episode 35, and self-acceptance and self-esteem, episode 36. Hi, this is Alina. I just wanted to share on episode 33 on compassion. You know, this is something that I don't know. I don't always really consider, and I know I should. I'm always like so focused on like letting things go and um, moving on and being in the moment. And I think that, you know, I can focus a little more on compassion. I know recently one of my qualifiers, you know, has a tendency to have a hard time letting things go and things that bother him about his mom have gotten to him. And, you know, he tries to communicate to me, but at the same time, when he's communicating, he's very abrupt and I almost feel like he's attacking me and he overthinks things. And, you know, part of me wants to shut him down and like be annoyed inside. But I know that I have to have compassion because those are his feelings. And I have to realize that, you know, I have my feelings. I don't really have to own his. I can just be there and listen and, and, you know, set boundaries and, detach with love and just maybe mostly listen. I think that's all he really wants. Um, not so much for me to fix his problems or anything like that, which, 
you know, I can offer suggestions here and there if he asks, but you know, it, it does get really difficult because he, you know, he wants to like stuff everything inside and not address things. And for me, the way I handle things, it's like, I either need to let it go or I need to like address it in some sort of like positive way. So it does get to me a little bit, but you know, when I heard this topic on compassion, it really made me think about obviously pausing and, and, you know, just letting him have those feelings and I don't have to sit with them. I know he doesn't have to sit with them, even though sometimes he does sit with them for quite a long time. But if I can just, you know, be in the moment with him and show some compassion and try and understand, you know, where he's coming from. I know that, you know, he has his own higher power that takes care of him and things will happen as they're supposed to happen. And I can't make choices for him. You know, he has that responsibility. So I just need to realize where my responsibility starts and ends. Anyways, I really like the topic and I appreciate you guys. And I just like what everyone has to say and share. And it always, you know, makes me think about things a little bit more. So um, I appreciate it. Thank you. I just wanted to share on episode 34 on one day at a time. I really like the opening dialogue about how, you know, there's a lot packed into that sentence. You know, sometimes if one day at a time doesn't work for me, I've always leaned on, you know, one moment at a time. And I know for me yesterday at work, it really did apply to the situation I was having. You know, we had someone filling in who's not used to our schedule, how we handle things. We are in the medical field and it's always hard adjusting and working with new people. And I've been doing this for a long time. So I always, I don't, wouldn't say I'm used to it, but I have more experience than others. And so I had a couple, you know, that person plus, you know, the people that I normally work with who are still kind of new, still learning the, you know, the trade and, and how things work. And I felt like a lot of pressure leaned on me. I did have my manager here who supported me as well but we were just really busy and there was a lot going on. And, you know, part of me could have gotten really frustrated and shut down and not saying I didn't get frustrated. It was just kind of a weird feeling. I don't know that frustration was the right word. I just felt like, I don't know what the word is, maybe more coping, I guess I was trying to cope with how things were going. And I just realized, you know, I have experience, I have skills, like I'm really knowledgeable and, you know, maybe I needed that wake up call just to realize, you know, my value, my worth. And sometimes I don't always see it and I just go with the flow and just get into a, a routine and a autopilot. But, you know, yesterday was a big eye opener. Like I realized how vital I can be, you know, to the team and who I work with. And, you know, this new person that came in, even though, you know, he was very frustrated and seemed like short tempered and very like, you know, he didn't explode, but you can tell like he was very quiet, very abrupt body language was, you know, said everything. And um, I could have easily gotten frustrated and annoyed and hurt by it, but I didn't take anything personal. I just went with the flow and I did the best I could. And I know that you know, me doing all that is what helped the day go through. And my other staff members, I mean, the one thing that I was grateful for was that they were both very, even though they were new, they were trying, they were working together. No one shut down. No one got angry. 
So it was just really a positive thing to like be in the moment one day at a time. It was just yesterday. I only had to do it for yesterday. I kept telling myself this is only for today, you know, cause tomorrow's another day and I got through it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just wasn't worn out or anything. I wasn't, I mean, I was, you know, tired from the end of the day cause it was a busy day, but I wasn't irritable or anything like that. So, you know, this topic does help when I'm in that moment where I'm like, how do I react to this? You know? So I appreciate it. And thank you for letting me share. I just wanted to share on episode 35 on step eight. When I got to this step, I guess it was really hard for me to like, I got nervous, but you know, hearing the topic and everyone discussing it kind of made me realize maybe I already kind of have made amends a little bit. I know that there's a couple people that I for sure want to make amends. And you know, the fact that it listed like somebody that needs to make amends to me as well, but I'm not really focused on that too much. I know that it'll happen in time, but one of the people that I've been is at the top of my list is my sister and her and I haven't really had a relationship. I mean, we were close, but we were never really like super close. We don't really have a lot of outside interests in common and she's younger than me and, you know, she has my niece and nephew and, you know, I love her and her family. And I guess, you know, we had a falling out and, you know, right now things are actually pretty decent. Um, we are like communicating every now and then, but we don't have like meetings or relation, you know, as far as like meeting at each other's house or going to dinner or meeting up for anything like that. You know, and I've been thinking about making amends with her, but I'm kind of worried because I don't want to like dig up or cause problems again, like we had in the beginning. And I don't want to, you know, I know it doesn't have to go there and, but I guess just the way things are now, I just feel like they're kind of comfortable and I'm just kind of worried that if I make an attempt to make an amends with her, that it could cause problems. And I don't know, I guess I've just always been really uncomfortable with any type of conflict or any type of hostile environment, like it just always, I get like shut down and, and I just don't like it. But, you know, I know I'm willing to make amends. I don't know. I don't really have to do it yet. And I'm comfortable with where I'm at, but I know that I'm willing if the time is right. I guess I can just not worry about the outcome. You know, it's out of my hands really, but that's one person. And then another person would probably be both my qualifiers. Like I feel like making amends to them because in the beginning, you know, before Al-Anon and right in the beginning of Al-Anon, I was really struggling. And I think I took a lot of my hate and resentment and held them accountable for it when they had their own troubles that they were struggling with, their addictions. And I know it wasn't fair. And I mean, we do have good relationships now, but I just feel like I, I need to do that. So I'm willing to do that. It's just, you know, making the right time and, and all that too. And I know I'm putting things off and I'm trying not to, but you know, I have written down my amends to them. I just haven't given up to them or, you know, sat down with them, but 
I don't know, listening to this topic made me realize that maybe I can do it. And, you know, I have my sponsor's guidance and other Al-Anon friends to help me work through it. And, you know, people that have gone through this step. So thank you for the topic and thank you for letting me share. I just wanted to share on episode 36, which was on self-acceptance and um, self-esteem. And this was a good topic only because this is probably one of the most challenging things that I always deal with from time to time, I think on a daily basis, but most of all, it comes forward and shows itself from time to time. You know, I get super emotional about it and you know, one of my qualifiers is always telling me that I'm super sensitive and, you know, points it out kind of like it's a flaw. And I've always kind of like thought that it was. And I know that sometimes it can hurt me and, and cause, you know, unnecessary critical thinking on my, on my part. But after listening to the shares and everything like that, I mean, and even before that, I kind of realized, you know, being, super sensitive or emotional. I mean, that's just part of who I am. And, you know, I struggle with it. Yes. But, you know, I can live with it too. You know, there are, you know, some assets to that, you know, trait as well. You know, it's not so much, you know, my character defects, but it just depends on how I react and what I want to like do with that emotion. And I know sometimes I'm hard on myself, you know, when I sit in my emotions and I just kind of want to like not have them. I feel like if it's a not a positive emotion, you know, I beat myself up over it. Like, why aren't you just happy and grateful? And, you know, I go through that whole pattern. But, you know, I did share with my sponsor and she kind of assured me it's okay to have your feelings and, you know, you can sit in those feelings. There's nothing wrong with it. I can't always keep thinking about things that... Or, you know, how my qualifier thinks of me, it's none of my business really, you know, and that's another thing that's difficult for me to accept is like other people's thinking and, but I know that, you know, I'm doing the best that I can and I do realize and one of the things that helps me is, you know, self-care as far as my self-esteem. I love, you know, going to the gym and doing my workouts and, you know, recently, I've come to the notion that, you know, I need to sit in a hot salt bath every once in a while, which I never really have been a bath person, but it's been kind of nice. My muscles sometimes are tired after a couple of days of working out and, you know, it is helpful and it gives me time to reflect. And I listen to the podcast when I do sit in these baths and kind of made it my own little moment and light a candle, kind of sit there and think about things, you know, anything that's frustrating me about work or what I'm lacking in my program. And also, you know, I start to reflect on things that are good, things that I've accomplished, things that are positive. You know, I try to focus on my self-worth and the value that I have and, and stuff like that. So, I really enjoyed this topic and I know that it's progress, not perfection when it comes to this kind of thing. And I know that I'm not going to try and, you know, battle with the idea that I struggle with this self-esteem and self-acceptance from time to time. It's just, you know, part of who I am and I can give it to God over and over again if I have to. But 
there's nothing wrong with that. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you again, Alina, for your participation and for your thoughtful review of how past episodes have touched you. And maybe somebody listening will be inspired to go back and listen to those episodes again because of that. Thanks. Krista sent us a couple of shares about anonymity and progress, not perfection. Hi, everyone. It's Krista from Nevada. I just wanted to call in and share a little bit about anonymity. When I first started going to Al-Anon, I was pretty concerned about it because I was a professional in the community and my qualifier was also a professional in the community and we're both kind of people that should have it all together and sort of advise others, etc. So I was worried about it, but I think I quickly got over that and found it to be very comfortable. However, recently I was at the beauty shop of all places and heard somebody from another program breaking someone else's anonymity and I was really disappointed. This other meeting from the other program is something that I go to pretty frequently just because there aren't very many Al-Anon meetings and they always welcome me openly and are very cool. But again, I was a little disappointed and put off and it felt unsafe to me to uh, keep going to that meeting. So that was really a bummer. I think anonymity is really important. And now I don't guard my anonymity because I'm okay with Al-Anon and I'm okay with being in Al-Anon and all of that. Um, it's taken me a lot of years to get that, to get here, but I do protect everyone else's anonymity because I know it's part of the program and I know the program works. Thanks for all you're doing. Everybody have a great day. Hi everyone. It's Krista from Nevada. I just wanted to call in and just share a little bit about progress, not perfection. I think I gave up on perfection quite a while ago, probably many years ago. However, I still get really hard on myself whenever I make a mistake, especially if it's a real, you know, stupid mistake or I think it's a stupid mistake. But in general, I think I'm a lot more practiced at counting small successes and just continually looking for progress. Oh, that's progress. That's progress. I've found that the more often I focus on the positive, the better off I do. Thanks for letting me share. Everyone have a great day. Thank you, Krista. It does suck when anonymity is broken and trust is lost. I hope uh, that you're still able to uh, go to the meetings that you need, I guess. Thanks for calling. Upcoming topics, I've got a couple of topics that I'm soliciting input for still. One is about men in Al-Anon. Are you a man in Al-Anon? And what is your experience? Uh, And the second topic is dual program members, which is to say members who are in Al-Anon and also in another 12-step program. How does that, how does your experience in Al-Anon maybe complement your experience in the other program? Are you very careful to not say anything about the other program, or do you sometimes mention it and why? Please call or leave and leave a voicemail. 
record a share as Krista and Alina did and email it or uh, email your thoughts. You can leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation directly from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of integrity, or your shares for any of our upcoming topics. And if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Our website is therecovery.show. has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, links to the books and other resources that we might have read from or referred to, videos for the music we chose, which there isn't any this week, and some links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. The notes are at therecovery.show slash 314 for this episode. Well, you may hear my dog trying to get me to finish up here, but I do have some listener feedback that I want to share. Peyton wrote with a question. Hi, Spencer. Thank you so much for your hard work and the amazing resource of your podcasts. I love them. I'm very, very newly in recovery, and I'm quite in the dark about much. So I have to ask what book you are referring to when you say the green book. Is it the Al-Anon Steps to Recovery? Is there another green book I should be looking for? Thank you so very much. Be well. Peyton. Okay, so books referred to by color, at least um, in in my Al-Anon community. There's the blue book, which is how Al-Anon works. That's sort of the basic Al-Anon text. There's the tan book, which is titled Paths to Recovery, which has chapters about each of the steps, traditions, and concepts, and questions to help you understand them or study them for yourself. And then the, the what we sometimes refer to as the green book, um, is called Reaching for Personal Freedom. It's a workbook, again, with chapters for each of the steps, traditions, and concepts, with short readings and questions for each of them, focusing on how you can use these steps, traditions, and concepts in your personal life. So the green book is called Reaching for Personal Freedom. I will put links to each of those in the show notes at therecovery.show slash 314, or you can find them on our books page at therecovery.show slash books. Thanks for writing, Peyton. Nancy writes from Australia. Hi there. I have a 19-year-old daughter who is a drug user. I can't bring myself to say addict. She says she's not addicted, but I know she uses dope most days and usually by herself. I joined Elanon in October, and I have listened to many of your podcasts, which have been great. I found this one really useful and wondered if you could run more for parents of addicts. I would also love to speak to any of the parents on this episode. Is that possible? Kind regards, Nancy from Sydney, Australia. I'm not sure exactly which episode she's referring to. It might be um, episode 22, the Parents Roundtable. You know, I think I don't have contact information for most of the people who were in that episode and I haven't seen some of them in the rooms for a while. So yeah, sorry. Do have a few more episodes of featuring parents talking about their experience with their children. Recently, episode 254, Parents of Teen Alcoholics and Addicts. Mark and Michelle, episode 287, 
um, titled Mark and Michelle's Son is in Prison. Those are the ones that are most directly related. So I am always open for somebody who would like to talk about their experience, whether it's experience as a parent of a child who is an alcoholic or addict, or maybe if you'd like to be a guest host, if you'd like to share your experience on the show, email me and let me know at feedback at the recovery.show. And we can set up a time for you to do that. Mary writes, hi, I wanted to comment on a couple people recently who are dealing with alcoholic boyfriends. I also found a boyfriend when I was 19 who has alcoholic and workaholic tendencies as well as rage and anxiety issues. In addition to the horrific effects of his parents' divorce, childhood and physical abuse and neglect, and ongoing emotional abuse that he thought was normal. I loved him, and I also felt that I could fix him like a good Al-Anon. I was, after all, in school to be a therapist. Ignoring all warning signs and believing him when he said he would change, I married him, and we have three kids. He has changed, because he wanted to, after 18 years of marriage, but at an immense cost to my mental health. I have trauma from dealing with this mess. I'm 44 now, and I wish I had broken things off with him the first time he was abusive toward me. He never hit me, though he threatened it. Maybe he would have gotten help on his own. Maybe I would have found someone else. Maybe after he got help and sorted himself out, we could have gotten back together. It doesn't do a lot of good to dwell on the past. But if I could speak to my 19 or 23-year-old self, I would tell her to set up some boundaries and limits, and when he broke them and the end the relationship before legal entanglements like marriage or kids come along. No one knew how bad things were. I was ashamed and a people pleaser. The ladies who are talking about their boyfriends are aware of how bad things are and are telling others, even if it's just this podcast. After all these years, we are usually fairly happy, although both of our issues do come back up. He is much, much better after he decided to get help. I do put boundaries in place, but I can't implement the ultimate boundary of, I'm out of here. After I haven't worked in 15 years and have three kids, I missed that one a long time ago. We are also Catholic and don't believe in divorce for us. But putting down that boundary early on might have induced him to get help sooner, or at least I wouldn't have been dragged along with him in the process. Thank you, Mary, for for writing with your experience. I like your observation in your last sentence that even if it didn't induce him to get help, it would have helped you to be not dragged along. And that certainly has has been my experience, that I wasn't able to induce my loved one to get help, but I was able to stop hanging on and be dragged. And that was huge. And that was, that was enough for then. Thanks for writing. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.